Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for Virginia Tech and ACC sports. I'm Justin Cochiola alongside Tim Hurth. It is Thursday, March 17th. March Madness is upon us, and we are going to break down our brackets. But the first thing we're going to talk about is probably one of the uh, uh, most important victories in Virginia Tech sports history. Uh, Definitely probably the biggest in basketball. I can't imagine anything bigger. But the Hokies went on a, an incredible run, have won 13 of the last 15, knock off Clemson in buzzer beater fashion, take down Notre Dame, beat North Carolina and Duke back-to-back nights to bring home the ACC championship. It was an incredible run. But before all that, Tim, what's going on? It's been a while. Well, I'm just getting fired up for the greatest couple of days in sports. Um I usually take off, so I'm I'm taking half days Thursday and Friday. Uh, but man, I'm jacked. I absolutely love love the NCAA tournament, and it doesn't matter whether the Hokies are playing in it or not. It, it's still a, a huge event for me. So I'm looking really forward to having just wall to wall games and finally get to turn on True TV once a year, twice a yeah. year. Uh, so I get to turn on the True TV and whatever other random channels we got games on and eat it up, man. Yeah, I had the uh, the annual panic attack. Oh, my God, I don't have true TV last night when I was trying to find the play-in game. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I did. It was just buried at uh, the bottom of my menu, which is the one thing I don't like about the YouTube TV is uh, there's no channel numbers. So yeah. you've just got to look at the little small icons and then hope you find it. Uh, true TV was not coming up as an option for me because I don't think I've turned it on in a year. Um, which got me to thinking, does true TV even exist without March Madness? Good question. Um, I, I think my wife may watch it. Watch it. She, she watches a lot of those murder type shows where it, somebody's getting killed every episode and it's some kind of investigation. And I can't stand those shows, but I feel like those are coming on true TV. Yeah, it, that brings just stress and anxiety to my life. Oh, my gosh. I've wears me out. That's right. Enough. I understand the world is bad. I don't need the constant reminder. Um, yeah. But she eats that stuff up, not me. Uh, what's the What's the comedy show on there that people love to hate? The, uh, the impractical, guys, impractical impractical jokers impractical or something. Jokers, yeah, I can. Okay, well, I don't know if we need to go on a tangent here or not, but I can't stand that show. <laughs> yeah, I okay, just so you're one of those. I can't stand those guys, man. <laughs> Oh man, it's it's the fake laughing to me. Like I get that you have to sell that everything you're doing is the most funny thing you've ever seen in your life, but right, just something about it is triggering to me. Because some of the stuff okay. they do can be funny on occasion, but it's those guys that just wear me out. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I haven't watched it in a few years. I, I could do without it. I don't care. I'm not gonna like it, it's. It's one of those shows where you're like, man, that's a dumb show, and then. You just happen to leave it on. You look up and three hours has passed. And you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. See, for for me, that's Bar Rescue. John Taffer, absolute legend. Yep. Yep. Watch a lot. That guy is passionate about bars. And man, I I can't get enough of him going through the dirty kitchens. And golly, John Taffer, if you're listening, I assume you are. I'd love to get a beer with you at some point in time. Yeah, maybe. Come on. Come on the pot. We'll have you. Yeah, that's right. We'll, uh, We'll do a do a bit but yeah tim let's um let's talk about the hokies and then we'll we'll get into the bracket and the madness but um i you know like i just said i think uh this is probably 
the greatest run in uh, Virginia Tech sports. I was trying to go through my head, like, what are the biggest wins any sport for Virginia Tech? Um, you know, I have to think the 95 Sugar Bowl was up there. Yeah, uh, that 100%. Was kind of like, we've, we've arrived um, from a football standpoint. Otherwise, football-wise, do we, do we have a win? Like, you know, winning the ACC for the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, otherwise, like, I don't, I don't know. Nothing like really stood out to me, obviously like the Ohio state game, that's a regular season game, right? You didn't have right. a conference championship on the line and, and the ACC championships in football, like they're great. Don't get me wrong, but we're a football school traditionally. Of course. So the fact that the basketball team, how they started the season two and seven in in conference play so many close losses just couldn't seem to figure things out Tim and and that's what was so frustrating because we came into the season with high expectations and it just wasn't working out and like we said like we're going to know a lot about this team uh by the time December's over and yeah I think what we knew was they're just not what we thought they were and we didn't really see this team turn a corner until the end of January after the half court buzzer beater from uh, Miami to mm-hmm. send you to, to two and seven, which was just a deflating loss. You know, you had previously lost to like Boston College. They were just losing to teams that they shouldn't have been losing to. You know, they in, open up the <laughs> ACC with the NC just, State, like, one of the worst NC teams State. in NC State history. Yeah. So, Crazy. I mean, it's just, uh, it was just incredible the way they started and the way that they made the run through, uh, through the tournament. I mean, you've, you've got the, the Maddox magic with the second round game against Clemson and, and Clemson's one of those teams who, who had really started playing better towards the end of the season. Right. And they were one of Virginia tech's two losses in that uh, 15 game span. Um, and it was almost the end of their, you know, non regular season it would have been nit for the Hokies had maddox not hit that shot um but you know they'd gotten pj hall back who they had been without for a while and they just looked like a different team they were tough to beat um and they played a good game they they made a great comeback and you're just it's creeping into your head well, here it is again here's virginia tech can't close out can't close games they had no business going to overtime in that game um but they were able to pull it out a, a little bit iffy in, against notre dame but was able to kind of reel it back in. And then you look at the North Carolina and Duke games. I mean, great first halves, very competitive, but then pretty much put their foot on the gas in each of those games. And I mean, they were no doubters in the second half. I mean, Duke was looming, but never really got within a point where you were like, Oh, here, here they go. They're going to lose the lead. And um, it was just incredible to see this team, really find its groove. It's definitely uh, gelling at the right time. They're fun to watch. Uh, I mean, they still turn the ball over more than I'd like. Um, They're still iffy at the foul line. You know, I think, uh, what was it? The Clemson game where Couture missed three in a row. And I was like, that's it. I guess guess they're going to lose, you know? So I don't know. I mean, just an incredible run. Um, A run that I didn't think they had in them if I'm being honest. Um, but I was, uh, I'll gladly, you know, eat my words on that one. 
Yeah, no, I don't think anybody could have seen it coming. I mean, especially when you look at the depths of an 0-4 start in the ACC down to 2-7, and losing to teams like you mentioned, Boston College and NC State, uh, Storm Murphy looking overwhelmed. Um, you know, and I think that's really a big piece of what has gone on throughout the season is Storm becoming more and more comfortable at the point guard position, not to overstate or understate in this case how important Padula's rise was as well. Um, you know, Sean Padula playing extremely well in that backup point guard role. There's a pretty seamless uh, in and out with those two, um, you know, and it just culminated and it clicked finally. I mean, I'm not I'm not an advanced metrics college basketball guy. I usually make fun of advanced metrics college basketball guys. But I remember sitting and I think we were probably two and six, two and seven, right around that point in all the advanced metrics are pointing to us being one of the most unluckiest teams in college basketball. Now, don't ask me how they arrive at this conclusion. It's a bunch of stats, um, whether that's looking at offensive efficiency or expected field goals. I don't know if they have those measurements or not. These could all be made up, but that was the key takeaway was basically Virginia tech was one of the most unlucky teams in the country. And I think you could attribute a lot of luck, if you will, to kind of a regression to the mean, kind of some shots going in that maybe should have been going in for us to begin with. Um, you know, the team collectively. It felt, it felt like better. early in the year too, like we were getting everybody's best shot. Like oh, we yeah. play, we'd play a team and like, they just couldn't miss from three or they'd shoot 65% or something yeah. like that to where we're, we're not on our best game. And then we lose a close game that, you know, you thought you should have won. It yeah. felt like that happened a lot. Right. You know, and I mean, the luck kind of went our way. We look, I mean, look at Couture. I mean, Couture hadn't had a, a game like that since, you know, down at Florida State. And he's trying to put it kindly to Hunter. He looked pretty bad. You know, I think UNC had three points. Leaky Black basically shut him out. Leaky Black, shout out to that name. It's a great name. Um, but yeah, Hunter had struggled for the good part of, of three weeks. And out of nowhere against Duke, literally brings home an ACC title for us. Um, Keve Aluma, Keve Aluma is fantastic. I mean, he reminds me of like a smaller Tim Duncan, just the way that his explosiveness, there, there's no real explosiveness there, but there's almost a certainty about what's going to happen when he starts backing you down in the post. I mean, he could, that baby hook with his right or left hand is, is beautiful and almost unguardable. Um, when you had that level of play from Mutz and Aluma, kind of your backbone, you're knocking down three-pointers again. I mean, that's a recipe for success, but that's the team we thought we were going to see from the jump. Um, right. I remember talking to you preseason. Look, that that's a strength we knew we had. We're one of the best three-point shooters. I think we're top 10 in three-point field goals in the NCAAs. in the country. Number four, okay. Number four in the country. That's what we thought we were going to be. And yeah. we've really figured out a way to balance ourselves between those three-pointers to hit them at a high clip and be efficient with them without forgetting, Hey, Mutz and Aluma in the post can do damage as well. And it seems like when we start to clank a couple three pointers in and, and, you know, the, the bricks start to show up a little bit, there's that tendency to start really trying to force it. And a lot of teams who aren't balanced will continue to shoot those threes, but having a guy like Justin Mutz or Kevin Aluma that you can dump the ball down to in the post and just let them go to work man, that's a nice pressure relief valve. And we've really leaned into it. And, you know, yeah. I just can't believe we're here, man. I really cannot believe it. No. Yeah. I, I think what was great about the tournament is storm Murphy really came on. It was the best storm Murphy we've seen all year. 
Oh right. my God. Yes. I yes. think if you look at the Clemson game, he got hot at the end of the first half, he had 12 points. He didn't shoot the ball much in the second half. He had a couple of big shots late. Um, you obviously got the the clutch performance from Darius Maddox. I think Darius Maddox went for 20 the following game against Notre yep. Dame, which was a career high. Yep. And you had um, obviously the Hunter Couture performance against uh, against Duke. But then, you know, you just had consistency all the way around from Aluma. He was always a guy you could count on. Mutz was not so great offensively, but Mm-mm. he was still able to score points. He was still able to get to the line. But what he can do as a passer, when I say oh my gosh. from a shooting standpoint, I mean, he's just such a great facilitator, especially somebody for his size and the position he plays. Um, it's not what you would expect from the two bigs. And I know Virginia Tech's bigs aren't, you know, like Purdue bigs or anything. But right. I mean, Justin Mutz is small forward size. We, under, we understand right. that. Mutz plays more of a power forward in our offense if you want to get down to it. He's probably the four. But you're right. His his vision, especially when – and Kevin Aluma can get this to some degree where you get blinders when you're in the post and the ball starts to stick a little bit. And a lot of big guys – especially ones that are scorers can fall into that trap where they'll miss the guys out on the perimeter that they could kick it out to and they'll force up a shot. So you got that pitfall you run into with those bigs sometimes, but Justin Mutz, I mean, he can look like he's going to post you up one minute and then sees a cutter flashing down the lane, whips a pass one handed. And, you know, I mean, having that ability as someone who plays in, in that way, incredible. And I mean, he and Kevin Aluma play off each other so well in that way. Interchanges, um, they're mismatched demons, those two. I mean, because yes, you're going to probably have a height advantage on, you know, if you're a five, you're going to have a height advantage on Aluma. If you're a four in a power five conference, probably going to have the height advantage on Mutz. But imagine being a four trying to guard Mutz. I mean, with his lateral quickness and his explosiveness. I mean, that's, that's painful. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when they played Duke earlier in the year, which they gave Duke a pretty good run for their money. But, did. you know, Malik Williams just looks like a tower out there compared to what you've <laughs> yeah. got in Aluma. And, I mean, you know, when Aluma's going one-on-one with him, like, you know, there was a couple of pretty easy blocks that Williams got off, but he just kept going at him and kept going at him, eventually got him into foul trouble. Um, and, you know – he completely outplayed him. And Malik Williams is probably a top 10 pick in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paolo Blanchero is going to be a top 10 pick, top three, top five pick in the NBA. God, what and a handful Mutz, that guy is. And, I mean, Justin Mutz basically had his way with him for the majority of the game. Like, obviously, he he got his shots. He got his looks. Like, he's, he's a big guy. Um, and that's where we've seen a struggle is with not necessarily right. – height is a problem. We struggle with height. What we really struggle with is, is size. And I mean that from a strength perspective. Yeah, Paolo I mean, is just, he's girthy. He's girthy. And he's one of those guys that's going to put his head down and drive to the rim regardless. Which he did multiple times where I was like, is that Mateo Durant or is that Paolo Blanchard? I, I don't know. That's Are right. Playing football? That's right. It, well, he did carry it in stiff arm. Are you Duke times, basketball so. fans out there? That's the Duke running back in football. I know probably not football <laughs> fans. You're Duke basketball fans. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. But, you know, I will say, thank goodness uh, Ben Carroll didn't have a three-point jumper because that would have been just a hassle. 
uh, to have to deal with that. But luckily he ate it a couple of times. We were able to sag off on him on the perimeter, which allowed us to not get burnt off the dribble too bad with him. Again, the problem is stopping that guy with the head of steam he's got. Man, and when you're as good of a finisher through contact like he is, that's that's a problem. You notice that with Baycott too. And I will say, we all know Mike Young's a fantastic coach. And even at two and seven, there's a little bit of revisionist history going on where I I see a lot of tweets saying Virginia Tech fans were calling for his head or were unhappy with the – and I don't recall too much of that. Because Mike there, there was definitely some of that on Twitter. Some of it, some, yeah. but they act like it was the overwhelming majority. And I would say that was far from the case. Um, no. We never doubted Mike Young's ability to coach. I didn't personally. Um, and I would hope the vast majority of Hokie nation didn't. I mean, we, what we get to see from an offensive perspective. Yes. When the shots aren't falling, it looks painful, but the, the style of offense he runs is very pleasing um, on the eye, the ball movement, the ability to find open shots is fantastic. But what he was doing against Baycott with the double teaming and traps that he would get when he was down near the sidelines, just a few steps outside of the paint, he'd bring a guard crashing down, whether it be Kebe or Justin that were in front of him. Um, That was genius because I didn't see a lot of that in the first two matchups with UNC and Armando Baycott absolutely had his way. Um, You know, he's going to get his points regardless against a team like us. He's a bad matchup, but we were able to get some turnovers we were able to make him uncomfortable. And I just thought absolute coaching masterclass for Mike Young and that Duke and UNC game. Um, it just, you, you can't say enough good things about it. Uh, and, and the boy from Radford ends up taking home, you know, an ACC title uh, from the school he went, you know, as a kid watching basketball games at. It's just, it's storybook, man. Yeah. And uh, six and L in conference tournament. Or in uh, conference championship games, five yeah. dollars Wofford, one to know now at uh, Virginia Tech. So incredible run. Uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if the Hokies can maintain it. I mean, they go in hot. You know, like we said, they're they're 13, 113 of the last fifteen since February first. They have the second highest winning percentage in college basketball, behind only Arizona, who's number one, and it's by like 0.1 percentage points. So. Wow. They're uh, they're up there, uh, and then following close behind them are Tennessee and Villanova. So other teams that are in that Elite Eight, Final Four conversation um, that also either won or – yeah, I think all, all four of those teams actually won their conference tournament. So, um, you know, I wanted to, to bring this up. There was a video going around of, um, of Buzz Williams, and it kind of reminded me of uh, our, our era of – uh, Virginia Tech yeah. basketball uh, when we were in school, the Seth Greenberg era and kind of what was going on from 2006 to, to 2010. And, uh, you know, when we were freshmen, we made the NCAA tournament. It was the first time in a long time. Uh, we got the uh, first round win, I believe, against Illinois. Second it round was, loss to Southern Illinois, which was. I think that's right. The Salukis, I believe. Yeah, the Salukis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you know, we didn't, we didn't get back, you know, I think uh, the 2007, 2008 season, we went 21 and 14. uh, And that's where we got the Seth Greenberg certifiably insane quote. Um, And it felt like after that point, no matter what Seth Greenberg said, or no matter how his team performed, they weren't going to get in. And that, that was never more evident than the 2009, 10 season, our senior year, 
where Virginia Tech goes 25 and nine. I think they finished fourth in the ACC and they got left at home, which was an absolute I remember. Joke. I remember and, Dickie V being very upset about that one. Yeah. But um, you, you had to think like, you know, was this, is this because they're holding a grudge against Seth Greenberg? Um, and they'd never admit it, but we don't know. But if you didn't see, there's a clip going around from Buzz Williams where um, he basically, you know, pulls out his Aaron Rodgers COVID research 500 paper, you know, thesis for those that listen to Pat McAfee, watch Aaron Rodgers on every Tuesday, you know what I'm talking about, but he had pages of research on basically the background of people that have been on the committee, you know, what their career path was, you know, what they were interested in and uh, basically what business they had assessing college basketball. And, you know, to, to Buzz's somewhat defense, I'm not going to fully defend him uh, because I think Buzz is about Buzz. And I think, that little rant was more of trying to save face with uh, the AM donor base since he is yet to punch a ticket. Uh, I'd like to also remind everybody that Virginia Tech has punched five straight NCAA tickets. Not to brag, um, but Buzz um, has yet to do that at Texas AM, the school he left, for, uh, left Virginia Tech to go to. Um, so, you know, I think there's probably a little added pressure there. At the end of the day, did I think Texas A&M belonged in the tournament? Yeah. You know, you go, what, what did they have, 23 wins? They get to the SEC championship game. You know, they run through teams like Auburn and Arkansas and whoever else they beat. Um, and, you know, they played in one of the better conferences this year. You know, there was obviously a point in the season where they lost eight in a row. But they turned it around. They got hot. At the end, they made the run. The, the thing that really irritates me about college basketball right now is they've got this kind of like baseball complex to where they're so focused on these analytics and this team grades out well here and they do this. And it's all, it's, it's all really just bullshit in the end, because oh it is if you, if you look at the analytics for Virginia tech, they're a top 20, top 30 team in almost every single metric you would look at. But then the committee ranked them the 46th best team in the field and handed right. them an 11 seed, which would have indicated that Virginia Tech, had they not beaten Duke. Yeah, we were out. Another thing that bothers me with the committee is they say the Sundays and the Saturday championships games, they don't matter. What do you mean they don't matter? Ridiculous. They do matter because it mattered for Virginia <laughs> Tech because they won the tournament. And if they hadn't, then they wouldn't have gotten in. Now, if they had lost, you're telling me beating Clemson, Notre Dame, and North Carolina three straight games, and having at that point finished 12 of your last 15, they still wouldn't have gotten in. That is ludicrous. And that's essentially kind of what happened to Texas A&M. Yeah. Then you got teams like Wyoming getting in and other teams. And I understand like a team like Richmond wins their conference and they take away a bubble spot. That, that happens. And, and that's the problem with being on a bubble. What I didn't like about Buzz's comments is there was absolutely zero accountability in there. It had nothing to do with, their struggles throughout the season. Cause I'm sorry, you lose eight in a row. You struggled at one point. It's tough to make the tournament when you do that. Yeah. Have they gone one and seven, two and eight, two and six in that time frame? who knows, maybe, maybe they get in. I'm not saying they should have or not, but just interesting. And it's also at a time where we just expanded the field to 68, a couple of years ago. So it's like, you know, tomato, tomato, but my issue with it is if you're a power five team, 
if you are 20 wins or more, if you're over 500 in conference play and you make it to your conference championship game, you should be in the tournament over a team like a Wyoming that gets in or a San Francisco that gets in and respect to those programs, but they don't play in the SEC. You know, they don't play in the ACC or the Big Ten. Um, so, I mean, those teams are much more battle tested. So if you haven't watched it, you know, it's not really worth the watch. I thought it was pretty boring, honestly, but it's just kind of Buzz Williams um, running off the mouth there, but worth talking about. And I, it, it kind of reminded me of like all the seeding controversy. At the end of the day, we're an 11 seed. If we were a six seed, we would have the same exact path that we do right now. Yeah. So it really just doesn't matter. You just got to win your games. And that's, that's what this time of year is all about. True. It doesn't matter um, in that sense. I mean, it, it does in the inherent advantages that you get for being a higher seed. Obviously, you're going to play a weaker opponent. Um, the, the the thing I have issue with, and I agree with a lot of what Buzz said. Typically, I think we're a stronger opponent than Texas, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Virginia Tech was massively underseeded. Now, you could say I'm biased and you probably have uh, you know a good point there, but Buzz Williams, a lot of what he said is right. And what frustrates me about the tournament selection committee is that each year I feel like we're given a new talking point of what matters. And it feels like the goalposts shift every year. And, you know, one year it's like, oh, well, it's strength of schedule this year is what we're really looking at. You know, that's the one. And, you know, back when we were kids, it was RPI. RPI is so important. I don't even think they look at RPI anymore. I mean, because the net What's ranking. RPI now? Then, then they created the net ranking, right? I mean, that was supposed to be the thing, right? That was going to be the new ranking that was really good and not bad like RPI. I don't even know if they use net ranking. I mean, what was Virginia Tech's net ranking? We were probably in the 30s. Maybe 20. maybe we cracked 30. They were, they were 20. Yeah. 20 okay, so we so you have the net ranking. That mattered one year. And then in another year, it was quarter one wins. You know, Q1 wins, right? If you beat one or two top teams – and another team beat three or four, and that other team was near a 500 record, and you won 23 games, guess what? You were probably on the outside looking in, even though you won five more games in the regular season. And that's the part that I can't stand about this whole thing. It's just the lack of transparency. I mean, it would help if we could all kind of sit in a circle as as a group and say, okay, here's what's going to be important. Better yet, make it more scientific. Try to get a weighting system in there to take the human element out of this. Like you mentioned it earlier, that's what the BCS was. And I told you in the text message, the BCS with the playoff format would be how I would love college football to do it. Take the human element out of there. Give me what the computers say the four best teams are. Let that formula be known so there's no shenanigans. Put them in the college football playoff. Take the human yeah. element completely out because what does I the think... human element actually add? It adds implicit bias. It adds subconscious bias. And yeah. humans really have a good way of looking out for other humans. And it, it it adds an element there that may not be, you know, always above board. And I'm not suggesting it's some shady backroom dealing, but at the same time, if this was all on a computer and it was properly weighted, conversations like this would be much easier. And, and one of the things I'll point to when I say the human element, you think Duke deserved a two seed? No. I don't. But you'll have guys like uh, Joe Lenardi defend it to tooth and nail because well, oh. the the metrics and the numbers that we rolled out, it's like – No. That, that's what drives me most crazy about it because when Virginia Tech 
took the court against Notre Dame in the ACC tournament, Notre Dame came in there as a quad one opponent. Mm-hmm. And after Virginia Tech beat them, they were no longer considered a quad one opponent. That's right. Well, that that doesn't work for me. No, it shouldn't. Because if you shouldn't. enter the game as a quad one and I beat you, should be that should be a quad one, one win. And Agreed. I don't care if you lose 10 games in a row after that. When I beat you, you were a quad one. You know why I That's don't right. care? If you lost 10 games in a row after that, maybe yeah. you lost your best player. Well, that that's it. Maybe you maybe lost you a key player to injury. Yeah. So there, there is no, there is no consideration of like realistic human variables that go into these metrics because the Clemson PJ hall example is a great one. He just wasn't around for majority of the season. And then he finally comes back and he starts playing and he's healthier. He gets past some of these injuries and, Clemson looks like a different basketball team. That's right. So, you know, you can put up the blind resume all day. Well, this team is one and five against the quad one. But, well, you keep taking quad ones away. That's right. So, I mean, you're telling me you come in as a quad one, I beat you. I get penalized for that. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. I'm it sorry. Doesn't. So these quad ones, these quad twos, these quad threes, these quad fours, I don't care. Okay, it's it's so stupid. There's all these dumb metrics now and people get so hung up on them. There was some like offensive adjusted efficiency metric that somebody cited for Virginia Tech when they were on the bubble. And I was like, are what are we talking about? We got to stop going down this rabbit hole, man. Well, there's there not a good offensive Z per possession is last in the ACC. Oh, I can't, who can't, who, who no one's no one. Well, you shouldn't care. Okay, now there are metrics which I like, like strength of schedule. I think that does matter. Q1 wins irritate me so bad for that exact reason you said, because one, after defeating a team, anything can happen, right? Something could happen with the coaching staff. Something could happen with a key player. Something could happen. doesn't matter. If they were a Q1 team when you played them, that should be a Q1 win. And I don't know how that works with teams that get better throughout the season. Are they allowed to jump to the Q1? I don't know how this is working. All I'm saying is maybe it's fluid up until the point you played them. And we just allow, hey, if you beat a team when they're Q1, it's a Q1 win. And if a team starts playing better later in the season and you face them, they have a chance to be a Q1 win if the metrics support it. But we've got to add transparency to all this stuff because if you're a human committee, and it's, it's changing every year. It seems far too malleable to me if you're sitting there in the committee and you've got a bunch of teams laid out. Maybe there's a couple of teams you want to get in that have something in common. And maybe that something in common is the number of Q1 wins versus some other teams, which may have higher rankings, but not the same amount of Q1 wins. Well, as a committee, it's super easy to say, especially since if there's one person in that committee that's very influencing, hey, you know what? Q1 wins. They tell you everything you need to know about a basketball program. So this year when we're selecting, we're going Q1 wins. Everybody wins, right? But then the point I'm trying to make too with Coach K, Coach K didn't deserve a two seed. Tennessee deserved that two seed by far. And it wasn't even questionable. Well, the 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 SEC championship game didn't matter to him. Of course. Throw that out and Duke still wouldn't have deserved it. Tennessee would have still had a strong, but here's the thing. They're basically doing coach K a favor 
by giving him that two seed. It's literally like a consolation prize. Okay. And I don't want any parting gifts or consolation prizes given by a committee that's supposed to be unbiased and get this seating right. And if I'm a Tennessee fan, does a two and three matter to me? Probably. Do, do I really care as a Virginia Tech fan, especially given my history with Tennessee fans? No, I don't. But I do want it fixed in the future. Right? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't care. But I do want it corrected in the future in case, you know, maybe Virginia Tech finds itself in another Seth Greenberg, Buzz Williams type situation where we're on the outside looking in and, um, you know, we have to hear the same BS excuse as to why we were left out when there is no consistency year to year on how they decide these things. Yeah, no, there's not. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm having major second computer issues right now. Um, so I'm trying to get that situated as we're about to talk about our, our bracket. It's my little mermaid cup for those watching YouTube. I live in a house with three females. I'm the only male. So a lot of my drinking vessels are uh, appropriately themed. Little Mermaid, though. Great, great, great movie. We we both have that same issue. So, um, yeah. So let's talk about the tournament, Tim. So obviously the Hokies go in red hot. So that made me want to do a little thinking on the the 11 seeds historically. Because I was thinking and then I looked it up. You know, I recall George Mason was an 11 seed when they reached the Final Four. Uh, VCU was an 11 seed when they reached the Final Four. Um, We had uh, Loyola Chicago in 2018, obviously the Sister Jean era. And then, can you hear me? You can hear me. Okay. Um, give me one second. See, this is, uh, see, this would be a great time if we were sponsored by somebody, then I could just throw in a sponsorship here. Yes. I'm just tap dancing. Okay, good. Um, again, just would sponsor us. Technical issues. Um, probably not Dell computers. Anywho, um, so we had 2018, Sister Jean, uh, Loyola Chicago. And then last year, actually, we had uh, UCLA as the 11 seed. They were actually a play-in team, if you recall, and made it all the yeah, way to the Final Four. I do recall. Um, so there's been some success with the 11 seed. And also, I think 1986 was, uh, what was it, LSU? I think I had it written down. Yeah, LSU was an 11 seed that made it. They've never won a game in the Final Four. And uh, the highest seed to ever win a national championship was Villanova in 1985. It's an eight seed. And then wow. if you do recall 2016, Syracuse, a team that I think had 19 wins and in Bubble my team. opinion had no business being in the tournament, <laughs> yeah, but none. got in no. uh, as a 10 seed made it to the final four. Um, and I, if I recall correctly, I don't have the games in front of me. They played, they had a nice path open up for them because they got some upsets along the way and they were playing higher seeded teams. And that triangle, uh, that triangle system is, is difficult or that zone defense they play is difficult to yeah, prepare two, for. Yeah. Two, three. It's terrible. In, uh, in short, short notice. So that's just a little, little background there, Tim, but you know, for you, what, um, what really stands out 
uh, for the tournament this year. When you when you take a look at the bracket and the teams and um, everything that's gone on around college basketball recently. Um, you know, obviously you're looking at Gonzaga when you look at the bracket. I think they're probably the overwhelming favorite to win the whole thing, if I had to guess. Um, you know, I think by and large, you know, which sounds kind of awkward after that ranting on the NCAA tournament committee, I think they did okay this year. I don't think they blew anything too dramatically. Um, I do think Texas A&M deserved to be in, uh, you know, just looking at the resume and, you know, I have my issues with some of the seeding stuff, but I, I think they did a good job of getting some mid majors in there. It's cool to see guys that haven't been schools that haven't been in the tournament in a long time. I mean, you consider a school like San Francisco. And I'm probably going to say something really stupid here. Did Bill Russell go to San Francisco? I don't know why that sticks know. out in my head. I'm going to Google that. Know. But anyway, a team that used to frequent the NCAA tournament more frequently hasn't been since probably 1980. Maybe yeah. they're back in the tournament. Been a long time since we've seen the Dons. Um, you know, they they're get in to that Mickey in. Mouse Gonzaga conference where it's usually just Gonzaga and uh, St. Mary's. Mary's. Yep. And Pepperdine. Don't forget Pepperdine used to be good. Um, yep. I think they were really good, uh, back in the day, like final four type good. Um, so yeah, but that conference is very, very a uh, Mickey mouse as you put it, but I, I like the seedings. I think there's a couple of lower seeds and I mean, lower in that four to five to six range that have real national title chances here. Um, right. so, so we'll go through a couple of those, I think here in a minute, I don't know if you wanted to reveal like bracket picks or how you wanted to go about this. Yeah, let's, um, Getting, I'm getting close to having my bracket back up. Um, let's go through Ooh, region by region. On my computer. Yeah, let me do that on my computer here. I had it on my and, phone, but this is a good idea. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kick it off. So, you know, we've mentioned uh, Gonzaga. So we'll start in the West. Um, that's that's probably – I'm, I'm kind of glad Virginia Tech's not in that. Uh, mm mm-hmm. Um, region up here. I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting matchups. I think it's pretty cut and dry though. I'm pretty chalky in this, this region. I've got Gonzaga facing Arkansas in the sweet 16. Um, I don't have any like major 12 or 13 upsets in this one. Uh, I've got Texas tech actually beating Duke. I don't, I like Texas tech. I think Texas tech is a team that plays really good defense Yep. I think they're playing motivated because Chris Beard left them at the offer altar for their, you know, prettier sibling. <laughs> That's and right. they're like holding, holding a grudge to that, which, you know, it, it feels like it's fueled them. There's something about Gonzaga this year where, you know, I thought if Gonzaga was going to win a national championship, it was going to be last year. Um, and they didn't. And they, what were they like 30 and one or something, 33 and one. And their one loss was in the national championship game to Baylor. Mm-hmm. I think if Gonzaga, you know, you play against them, you, you look at them, you know, they're just, they're not challenged for the vast majority of the year. I mean, they, they do play a good number of top 25 opponents. Um, a couple of those games were against St. Mary's and they haven't really played a high level of competition really since November, December timeframe, just because right. of the conference that they play in. So it's, it's really tough to assess. I mean, I think if you look at a guy like Chet Holmgren, who, it's, it's weird watching him play a basketball game. Um, it just visually, yeah, un, just not 
not a comfortable <laughs> feeling. <laughs> Very true. Um, I'm just always concerned something's going to happen. But, you know, I, I like their team. I don't think Holmgren's had the year that, like, people kind of expected him to have. I mean, he's, he's had a nice year, but he hasn't had this, like, on just believable freshman campaign. And I don't think he submitted himself as the number one pick of the NBA draft. Maybe he has, I don't know, but I like, uh, I like Texas tech coming out of that region actually. So I've, I've gone back and forth on it multiple times. Um, I, I had Gonzaga winning it all. Um, and I've switched it. I may switch it again. I don't know, but right now I've got Texas tech uh, coming out of that West region. Yeah, I mean, right now it's between Texas Tech and Gonzaga for me. I really, really, really like Texas Tech. Um, I've watched it. We get a fair bit of Gonzaga before conference play starts, obviously, because there's big matchups there, um, typically with those preseason tournaments. And obviously they need to get as many good teams in as they can before they hit conference play, Um, you know, unless they want to fill up, you know, wins against San Diego and San Francisco and all those other opponents they play out there. but I, I don't know. I'm torn. I have Gonzaga right now. I'm, I'm almost straight chalk there for the most yeah. part. Uh, Memphis, to me, is a team with a lot of raw talent, and they seem a little poorly coached to me. Just poorly like, coached. They're, they're coached like an AAU team. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's a lot of talent. So usually with those teams, right, if, if there, are, there are games where they can put it all together. And yeah. be very fluky with that kind of talent. And it just can that's one that's one I had a little trepidation with them. Gonzaga was that nine and one game in the round of 32. Just tripped me up a little bit because you see Memphis play and you see a lot of talent. Um, Did Memphis win their conference tournament? I think they lost to Houston. Did Houston win it? Okay. I think so. I wasn't sure. They were in the final, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think Houston won. Uh don't quote me on that. So, you know, that, that's kind of, I was hung up on, on that a little bit. I like New Mexico state a lot. I like New Mexico state over Yukon, um, Arkansas, they're not going to get past Arkansas in the next round. And I'll tell you, this is intriguing because Arkansas is a really good team too. Out of the sec Gonzaga has got to clear a couple hurdles. And you talk about the challenge with Gonzaga Gonzaga is going to be, if if that game game happens, it's going to be an interesting game. game. Arkansas is a fun team to watch. It's just, you know, I watched them play AM. I was just like, what's what's missing here? But sometimes it's it's good for these teams that know that they're gonna get in the tournament mm-hmm. to to lose, to get that extra rest. I mean, you've seen it oh, work it absolutely out before. Is. So it Arkansas absolutely definitely is. got a puncher's chance against Gonzaga. Well, so the issue, uh the issue with Gonzaga, I think, too, in that conference is you go through months now of playing subpar competition. And you hit that lull where all of a sudden you've got to amp it up to 10 going into the NCAA tournament. And you haven't faced a team like you're going to face in the round of 32 on um, since December, January. And, you know, that that takes a little bit to get back into the swing of things. That's why I see Memphis as maybe a stumbling block for them, just because Memphis is going to have played a little bit higher tier competition. Memphis has raw talent. They're not a devoid of talent. Um, again, the coaching doesn't seem to be great. I don't like the offensive scheme at all. They seem to be really heavy on the ISO and, you know, they seem to run a pro style offense, which would make sense given Penny Hardaway, but still, I mean, there, there's something about Anthony had his like meltdown press conference this year and was like, 
Just sure did. That was embarrassing. That was, was not a good look. So, you know, in, in Arkansas, there's a lot to love there too. I mean, look at what Musselman did at Nevada, right? And he's picked up right where he left off at Arkansas. In Arkansas, another basketball program with some history. They're playing great this year. The SEC as a whole was really good this year compared to where they had been. Um, I don't know. Gonzaga, when you look at those games lining up, Gonzaga's going to have to get through Memphis, which should be easy, but there's always that chance to stumble. But then you got two really hard games in Arkansas and Texas Tech. I probably like Arkansas the best at all the four seeds and Texas Tech maybe the best at all the three seeds. Um, take, yeah, that back. I think it's, um... take that back. Tennessee's a three seed. I keep thinking they're two seed, but Arkansas and Tennessee both on the same level for me. I think everybody's like just praying and hoping that Gonzaga Duke is the elite eight matchup, and I think there's a good chance neither team is there. Could be. I got serious about doubts about Duke after that that championship game. I didn't see heart. I didn't see fight uh, like they've, I'm used to seeing out of Duke teams. They've looked bad down the street. I mean, Coach K. I don't know what his deal is this year, but he just looks miserable. Like he. Does. he he looks extra miserable this year. Yeah. He always looks kind of miserable. He looks like he hates life this year. Yeah. I don't I don't know what his deal is. And I mean, like, I thought the whole UNC and addressing the crowd at the end and him, like, basically yelling at the student section, I thought it was like a, a bad look, to be honest. I was like, okay, that's how I'm going to remember Coach K's last game for him, like, telling everybody to essentially shut up. Listen to me. I know what's best. We're going to go win the ACC tournament until Virginia Tech whoops us, and then we're going to go lose in the second or third round of the NCAA tournament, and mine last season is going to be very forgettable. Come on, y'all. Quit cussing. Um, Let's um, – Before we move on, I just want to say, do you remember the shot of Coach K before the game when he kissed his wife and went to the locker room? Yes. Yeah, they showed that. it. That is when I had the same exact thought as you, where it looked like he was absolutely having the worst time of his life. Yeah. Heading into that locker like, room. It looks like he stayed a year too long. Yeah. Yeah. That's what who, it, who knows? It, it, we know. could be completely wrong, but that certainly that's the vibe. That's the vibe. I'm, I'm not wrong usually. So <laughs> let's, um, let's jump over to the South and we'll do, uh, we'll do uh, the East region last. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is an interesting region as well. Uh, also pretty chalky for me now that I look at it. Um, actually, it might be all chalk except for the nine seed. I've got TCU beat Seton Hall. I think the games I'm most interested in, I think Chattanooga, Illinois is an interesting matchup. It is. Uh, Chattanooga is a very good. Um, uh, they're a very good free throw shooting team. Illinois seems to be going through this little like woe is me. Mm-hmm. kind of situation right now uh they underperformed in the tournament last year uh i don't love houston against uab i mean i'm gonna pick houston but right. i don't love houston as a team they they got to the final four last year but they basically beat you know double digit seeds all the way there they just got a really good run to to the final four if you recall uh, mm-hmm. before getting smoked by uh gonzaga but um yeah the issue for me is i don't love illinois i don't love houston so you you kind of got to put one of them in the sweet 16 i mean you could put a team like uab or chattanooga but more likely than not depends on what your bracket strategy is right are you going to go in are you trying to win your bracket if you're trying to win your bracket you should probably put in houston or illinois because you putting in a 13 or a 12 is 
very unlikely to get all the way to the to the Sweet 16. But it gets interesting. I think Colorado State's pretty good. I, I expect them to beat Michigan. Um, that sets up an interesting Tennessee-Colorado matchup. My whole issue with Tennessee, Tim, right, is Rick Barnes. <laughs> that's a really good issue to take with Tennessee. That's, that's my biggest issue. If, if you're going to pick one, that's the low-hanging fruit. I, I think Tennessee is a really good basketball team. They play really good defense. Uh, offensively, they have their ups and downs, but they're really good defensively. And I think defense typically uh, favors teams in this tournament. Um, but it's Rick Barnes. And then mm-hmm. I've, I've got them meeting Villanova and Jay Wright. And I just think Jay Wright is a far superior coach. So I just went with the coaching matchup there. And then I end up picking Villanova over Arizona because you've got a veteran team against a pretty young Arizona team. Um, Villanova's again, well-coached. They've got Colin Gillespie, who is a baller. They're a really good free throw shooting team. I think tops in the nation. Um, and I think they're set up for a pretty good run here. So I'm going to go Villanova out of the South region. No, I mean, look, I like it. You can't go wrong with Villanova, especially since they kind of got the monkey off their back and beat UNC in the national championship. Um, you know, just national championships. Yeah, that's true. Um, the thing with Villanova, recently, though, recently. is Villanova seems to go really deep or not deep at all. And there seems to be no happy medium with them. Um, I like them a lot this year. I got them all the way in the Elite Eight with Tennessee. I have Tennessee advancing. Um, you know, I mentioned I like Tennessee a lot. They're extremely balanced. You know, I've got the 12 you got over them the, the five. Sweet 16. Yeah, I've got, oh yeah, I've got Tennessee beating Michigan in the Sweet 16. Um, got it. And then advancing to play Arizona uh in the elite eight and right so you have tennessee beating michigan in the second round that's right tennessee Tennessee over villanova in the sweet 16 okay that's right yep yeah and then um i i struggle with chattanooga i think chattanooga is a pick that a lot of people are going to fall in love with um just because they do have really nice size they've got some good players but i'm just not seeing them beating kofi cockburn i think he's one of the best players in the ncaa Guy averaging yeah. 21 points, absolute monster, averaging 10 boards. Um, they got some good shooters on the perimeter. They, they are kind of in a malaise right now, though. I don't, I don't know what's really what's going on with the Illini, but right. um, I just I can't see Chattanooga beating a team like Illinois with that kind of star power. So it could that, that they I'm could pick it, though. I'm not picking it either. And I, I think yeah. that's going to be one that a lot of people do pick because it seems like every year the analysts kind of latch on to a 13 seed and they're like, oh, this is going to be the one that, you know, hey, be on upset alert. I just, I, I, I don't know that too many of them are pointing to this Chattanooga team. And I, I think we're forgetting how good Illinois is when they're really clicking. Um, so other than that, it, it's fairly chalk. Uh, the top, at least the top two games. But when you get down to UAB Houston, I've got UAB over Houston. UAB is just insanely balanced with a lot of experience. And I haven't loved what I've seen from Houston this year. Um, So I'm going to go. Typically there's always a five over 12 upset and I don't like picking them because I feel like it can go a little overboard um, because obviously yeah. I mentioned earlier, I have New Mexico state over Yukon also a five over a 12, but I'm, I feel pretty confident in UAB here. Um, it's all about out. your bracket strategy. You don't want to look True. and have three 12 speeding. No. Moving on to the next round. Right. It's because like the odds one. are not, not in your favor. Right. Choose, choose one. If you miss out on another one, oh well. 
Yeah. So I may revisit the UConn because Arkansas State for me is advancing in the next round, regardless of who they're playing. Um, doesn't matter if it's UConn or New Mexico State. So really kind of inconsequential whether I get that one wrong or not. You know, when you really run into troubles, when you have, uh, like I do, uh, a UAB team um, beating Illinois and uh, get, potentially getting into the Sweet 16 is the way I have it now. I have them, you know, going through to face Arizona. I don't know if that's going to stick or not, but I, I'm, I really like UAB this year. I really okay. do. A lot of, so lot who, of do you, depth, who do you have coming out of, of that region? Um, I have Tennessee advancing to the final four. Okay. All right. Let's go down to the Midwest. Um, but, you know, I, I want to visit one other game because this is another game. I think we're building up into something. It's not, who do you have Loyola or Ohio state? So, I mean, I, I initially had Loyola, but then Same. I was like, you know, we're falling into the trap, man. Don't don't fall into the trap. This is yep. not 2018 Loyola. This wasn't last year. No. Loyola. Last year, Loyola was really good. Yep. Um, I don't think they're the same caliber team. No. And I think Ohio State is better than people give them credit for. So, yeah. I mean, Ohio State has uh, – that Ohio State-Villanova game is a really interesting second-round game if it, if it happens. Right. Um, but – and the Big Ten typically plays well in this tournament, so yeah. you got you got to watch out for Big Ten teams. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Ohio State. It's, it struggled last year because I think the Big Ten underperformed last year, and it just it was kind of a blip. But it 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 just kind of threw me off because I started to look at my bracket as a whole, and I don't know if you do this where you start realizing you've got a heavy concentration of like one or two conferences winning their games. Oh yeah, I, I mean, in 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 the next region, I switched an opponent because I didn't want two Big Ten teams playing in the Elite Eight. This exactly, and this is basically my Big Ten bracket here. But I really do. I think the Big Ten is the best conference in basketball, and it's hard not to let that bias creep in. But in this case, with that Loyola Chicago game, I just I had it Loyola at first switch it to Ohio state. And I think that's a trap game that a lot of people are going to make that call on Loyola. It's a, it's yeah. a different team. It's not the same bunch of ramblers. I hope sister Jean is doing wheelies at the final four as much as anybody, but I just don't see it happening this year. Sister Jean born in 1919. God bless that woman. God mm. bless her Midwest region. So Kansas is the number one seed. You got Auburn as the two. Auburn um, really turned me off with their performance against Texas A&M. I thought yep. they looked horrible. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how you're not ready to go this time of year. So that, to me, set off a red flag. Um, I've got a couple of bigger upsets in this, this first round. I've got Iowa State over LSU, I think, with um, mm -hmm. Will so your Wade. Co being, your coach having to hit the streets before the tournament. Being dismissed. I don't think that's <laughs> yeah. a good thing. Iowa State has really burned me the last few years over uh, in this bracket. Um, I had them in the Final Four one year, and they lost to a 14 seed. And uh, I've never forgiven them. So they owe me. So they need to pull off this LSU win. Um, I've got Miami over USC. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't think I've watched a single Pac-10 game or Pac-10, Pac-12 game uh, this entire year. I don't know much about the Pac-12 but I think Miami's been playing fairly well uh, down the stretch. So I'm going to go ACC there leaning on that 10 over seven. Uh, and then my big upset is uh, South Dakota state. If, if you, if you're looking for a 13 seed to pick, I think it's that one Providence. 
I, I watched a couple of their games. I mean, what do they do? Well? They don't wow you. That's for sure. They junk up a basketball game real good. They're a tough team to watch. Yes, I don't they know are. how they're a four seed, um, but I'm not, I'm not really a fan of Providence. Um, I mean, they've had a good season. Don't get me wrong, but they, they don't look like a four seed when you watch them either way. Um, I've got Iowa advancing and Iowa was the team I decided to uh, knock down a peg. Once I had them in Wisconsin meeting in the elite eight, I think Wisconsin's really good. Uh, they had an earlier exit in the big 10 tournament, but they play pretty good defense. Uh, they're really good at holding onto the basketball. Um, and I think they're a team that, uh, that can make a run. I don't like putting Kansas in the final four because Kansas always seems to underperform in, mm-hmm. in this tournament, mm-hmm. or at least they underperform way more than they should. Um, so I've got Wisconsin over Kansas, Wisconsin going to the final four. Yeah, I don't hate it at all. Sorry, I heard uh, a weird sound I don't recognize down here. I don't know what it is, but we'll keep podding through it. If it's uh, some sort of situation, I'll know in a little bit. Um, But I agree with a lot of what you said. Providence is interesting and not a team that I liked. And I have seen a few Providence games this year. Ed Cooley, I think, is a great coach. So it's not a knock on the coach. Um, His teams play hard. But... I do have South Dakota State winning that game. South Dakota State's been hot this year, man. Um, absurdly so. I think are they above 30 wins? They may be. Let's see. I, I may be, South Dakota maybe, State is 30 and four. That's right. So they've had a really good season. Um, they've got some shooters. 121 and, straight. Yeah, exactly. So hot. Very hot. Um, and you're talking about a team that I'm not impressed with. Um, and I think South Dakota state could have had an argument for a 12 seed. So I'm going to go with that. What is basically a five V 12 matchup to me? Cause I think Providence is overseeded and South Dakota state's underseeded. So give me South Dakota state in that one. I have Iowa over Richmond. Great um, mascot too. Jackrabbits. I mean, Oh yeah. I mean, on. how, how can you beat the Jackrabbits? Yeah. You uh, can't. But I've got that. I've got, and I got to tell you, I'm really high on Iowa this year. Um, Not only because I think their yellow jerseys are some of the best jerseys in college basketball right now, um, but they're a really high scoring team. Uh, You know, they're top five in scoring. They share the ball. Well, Uh, the issue with Iowa. And I think the reason why, uh, Fran McCaffrey's team gets kind of shaded a bit is they don't play super great defense. And usually that would concern me more, but when you are number five and scoring on a points per game basis around the mid eighties, that tells me that you're more worried about pushing tempo. Um, And I like teams that like to go fast. I like teams that like to shoot. Iowa checks all the boxes. So for me, I've got Iowa going all the way uh, to the final four out of this bracket. Um, it seems that seems to be like a, a very popular pick right now, uh, which also turned me off to Iowa. Ooh, that um, makes me feel better about it then. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, but yeah, like you said, like my, my thing with Iowa that I was like, okay, if I'm going to take Iowa or Wisconsin down, I really like Wisconsin, Iowa rarely, I don't think it been past the sweet 16. With their current two, head coach. two mirror image basketball teams right now. 
They're, got, they're fairly close. I think Wisconsin plays better. Wisconsin's defense, defense right? Well, what I mean by mirror image is Iowa's offense, no yeah. defense. Wisconsin right. is heavy defense, decent offense. But, I mean, their yeah. calling card is going Possible. to be the effort on the defensive side of the ball. Um, right. So two Big Ten teams, but two very different Big Ten teams um, that both – I mean, honest to goodness, I like both coming out of this bracket. It was a hard decision for me. The only reason I don't have Wisconsin playing Iowa to get into the final four is because I got spooked having two big 10, big 10 teams playing each other. So we basically are the same person because that's what I did. Oh, good. It shows different teams. Hmm. Um, all right. So let's jump over to the East. And the East, I think, is definitely the region you want to be in. Uh, yes. To me, it's the weakest one seed. You've got a banged up Baylor team even though they're the defending national champions, it's blue blood heavy. You got UCLA, you got North Carolina, you got Kentucky. Um, But I think if there's going to be a region with uh, a little bit of chaos, it's going to be this one. So, you know, I'm, um, I've got Baylor UNC. It was a toss up for me with North Carolina and Marquette. Um, And I, I do have Baylor advancing to the sweet 16 there. Um, okay. I've been back and forth on Indiana and St. Mary's. Indiana's been pretty hot, um, but I'm going to go St. Mary's. I think they're just built a little bit differently this year. They're a pretty solid team. Same. Um, and I've got UCLA advancing as well. I've got Virginia Tech uh, moving on past Texas. I think the the thing with Texas is Texas doesn't look the part this year. Um, no. They do play really good defense, so that's always a concern. But Chris Beard's um, but- a great coach. He's a, he's a really good coach. He's obviously been to a final four with Texas tech. Um, but I think when you're the, the, basically playing Texas is going to be a little bit like playing UVA because they play really good defense. They have a really hard time scoring. Um, and I think what we've seen out of Virginia tech recently is that shouldn't be of major concern. And then I've got Purdue over Yale. Hopefully Yale pulls that upset, but I'm not going to call it. Uh, I really like Murray State a lot. Yes. I think they're, they're a, a really well-rounded basketball team. They haven't been tested much. I think they've mm-hmm. only got one game against the top 25. But 18-0 in conference play. You know, their head coach <laughs> says that it's a better team than when John Morant was on the team and they went to, what, the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight that year. Yeah. Um and, uh, I mean, they hold their opponents to 62 points. So I like them over San Francisco, and that sets up a really uh, fun matchup there in the second round with Kentucky. And, you know, in my in my fun bracket, I, I don't typically do different variants of my bracket. I typically have the same bracket. This year I'm messing mm-hmm. around with it a little bit. I really want to pick Murray State over Kentucky for a couple of <laughs> reasons. One, I think Murray State – will want that game so much more than Kentucky right. wants it. Because right. you've got a bunch of guys that play at Murray State, weren't recruited by Kentucky. you got a bunch of one-and-done guys at Kentucky that, you know, may not care as much um, whether you think that or not. But I'm in, my, in my I'm trying to win money bracket, I'm going to move Kentucky past Murray State. And then I've got Virginia Tech beating Purdue. Um you know, Purdue, they've obviously got some size. I think uh, it, it seems like a toss-up based off of who you listen to and kind of kind of any expert out there. 
Um, so you should feel comfortable that Virginia Tech is fully capable of, of beating Purdue. Mm-hmm. If you want to put Virginia Tech in the Sweet 16. And then I've got UCLA uh, advancing to the Sweet 16 and actually advancing past Baylor. Um, and again, this is my money bracket. History tells you to go with the higher seed over the 11. I'm going to pick Kentucky uh, to go to the Elite Eight. And then I've got Kentucky going to the Final Four. Yep. So we got the same uh, team getting to the Final Four, although with Kentucky, I just struggle. I picked them because I think they're the best team in the bracket, obviously. Um, But you worry with the nature of the one and dones in college basketball and come tournament time. We've, we've seen some times. Perry doesn't win a whole lot of natties. No. And, and experience and team unity and guys that have played together for years tend to fare pretty well in March. Um, and, and play a little better than the sum of all their parts where the opposite is true of some of these more star power teams that put up performances in March where you're like, really, that's, that's it. I hope we don't run into that scenario. Um, because like you said, Calipari doesn't just, you know, rake natties away. You know, I, I think there was a fear around 2010 that that was going to happen as well as he was recruiting. I mean, it seemed like he was recruiting at a level that was just untouchable and still is largely, but he doesn't have the success you would expect given his recruiting rankings. I think a lot of that has to do with the turnover, but LJ Cryer, who's out for Baylor a guard, you know, probably, I think he's averaging about 14 points a game, 15 points a game, uh, shoots the three ball very well. Uh, A key cog for them is going to be missing in March. And when that happens right at the precipice, it's hard for me to feel super confident about Baylor. Um, so what I do think North Carolina does, especially on the perimeter, I think they play good defense. Um, Leaky Black, especially, is one of those lockdown guys that I think is just incredible on defense. Armando Baycott gives anyone problems on the interior. While I don't think UNC is a world-beating team, there's something about the Baylor matchup with that injury that just tells me, hey, uh, you know, you're taking out one of their better scorers on the perimeter, certainly one of their better shooters. Uh pick North Carolina in that game. So I did eight over one in, in the second round there. Um, Cause I have them getting past Marquette, but in everything else that you listed, it pretty much lines up. I've got UCLA and Kentucky in that game to go to the final four um, with Kentucky going by, but that was a tough one. I, I really wanted to pick UCLA, um, but just thought better of it. Cause when I have watched Kentucky this year, they've looked really good. Yeah. Kentucky's an interesting team. They're three and six against the top 25. Mm-hmm. Their BPI rank is three. So, again, it's just a weird Isn't that odd? BPI statistic. It's like, how are we getting to that number? And then, I mean, Virginia Tech is 19. So, I mean, honestly, like taking, taking the homerness out of it, Virginia Tech's in a very good region. I think there is a great opportunity for chaos in this region. And, and when that happens, that's the region you want to be. And you want to be one of the teams creating chaos, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they've got two winnable games if they can get past Texas, obviously, and assuming Purdue BTL. But, you know, Kentucky over Murray State is not a lock. There, there no. is no lock game once you get past the first round in this region. North Carolina I had a, I had a harder Baylor. time picking Purdue, or I had a harder time picking Murray State, Kentucky than I did Purdue, Kentucky. 
That's how weird my brain was about Murray State. And I don't know if it's because of the lingering John Morant images I have in my head, but it's not just John Morant. Murray State's been good for about 15 years, really. I mean, Kenneth Fareed back in 2008, 2009 timeframe, a guy who went on to play in the pros, absolutely outstanding power forward, was kind of when I started to notice Murray State was playing really good ball. And it seems like they've just been fairly consistently putting out good teams. They've got a good culture. And, you know, you got it could be coach speak, but I heard the same quote you did from the Murray State coach feeling better about this team than he did with the team that Ja Morant was on. And that team outside of Ja Morant was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't just Ja Morant and four other dudes. Um, Murray State plays good basketball. And that was a tough pick for me, man. I mean, I'm still looking at it right now. My brackets and man, I, I could probably pick Murray State. I'm not so going to do you, do, do you have Purdue beating Virginia Tech in your bracket? I do. Yeah, I, I think the matchup on the interior is just going to be a little too difficult for us. When you talk about uh, one of their leading scores being 7-4 um, and being dominant down low, it's just that might be too far in the, you know, the mismatch for us in regards to Keve Aluma. Keve would have a little trouble with the baby hook with someone at 7-4, and that seems to be his go-to post move. Not only that, on the defensive side, how do you really contain someone that's 7-4? I mean, that even if you had somebody, and, and you know, we've got Wessler coming in next year who's 7-foot-plus. You put in Oshiako and you just try and get him to draw fouls constantly. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really what you got to do. The problem with Purdue is they got great scorers elsewhere, and they can shoot. Right. So – you know, and it's not just the seven four, you know, player. It's the six ten player they've got behind him, who's also one of the leading scorers. That would present problems for us as well. And Matt Painter, he's been Purdue's been good lately. Um, you know, past five years they've just been tremendous. So hard to bet. All right. Against. So who uh, to recap? Your final four is final four is as it stands today, is Gonzaga versus Iowa. And Gonzaga cannot play Iowa. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm reading ahead. National wrong. championship. Yes. I'm okay. reading my national championship. So I got Gonzaga over Kentucky and Tennessee losing to Iowa. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got right now, see, I don't have a one seed in here. And I think there's always been a one seed in the final four. So that's just telling me. I've messed up. So I need a one seed in here. Yeah, so I'm going to play the odds. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to put Gonzaga in over Texas Tech because that's the the game I kept going back and forth on. It's a good pick. Um, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put Kentucky. Oh, man. No, I'm not. I'm going to put Gonzaga in the national championship game because okay. that's who I had originally. Mm-hmm. And I've got Villanova and Wisconsin playing um, in the other game. And I think I'm going to go Villanova. You, you know, I really want to put just, Villanova I like, in. I just don't like how my final four looks. You, know? you, you said a name that sent chills down my spine for the way my bracket is laid out. Yeah. I feel like Rick, nobody's Rick talking Barnes, about Rick Barnes is poison in March. He is. I mean, he proved it with Texas time and time you again. don't want to be within five feet of Rick Barnes in March. <laughs> and I've got Tennessee all the way to the final four. And 
that may have to be swapped for Villanova because Villanova was who I was struggling with um, as far as who to put through to the final four. Um, Tennessee, man, Rick Barnes, just woof. I like the team. I don't like the coach. um, I think I'm going to go Villanova to win it all. And and I'm going to stay with that pick. I think Villanova is kind of flying under the radar right now, if you ask me. Yeah. Nobody's really talking about them. Uh, they won their conference tournament. They've had probably one of the more challenging schedules in college basketball. I think they're more, they're definitely more battle tested than Gonzaga. Right. Um, and I mean, I think obviously it's, it's kind of a difficult, it's not a super easy path for them. Like that Ohio state game is going to be tough. The Tennessee game is going to be tough if that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Arizona is obviously a very good team. So, I mean, nobody has an easy path this time of year, but I think just when I look at Villanova and Gonzaga, Gonzaga's never won a national championship. That's I right. don't, I don't think they're better than they were last year. That's fair. And I, I think Villanova, you know, with Gillespie who mm. was hurt last year, I believe it'll give them an added dimension in March in this tournament. And they're just a tough team to beat because they're so disciplined. They're such a good shooting team and they hit all their free throws. And yeah. that's just, that's a, that's a tough mix this time of year to, to overcome. Right. And I mean, obviously having Colin Gillespie back is huge, you know, being their leading scorer and his absence was a big deal. Um, he's just one of those guys. He, he runs, runs the offense so well. Um Big time assist guy, and you know, in a guard heavy offense like they run in Villanova, it's just key have those guys. Um, that's just you know, that's always kind of what trips me up about uh Villanova is the small ball that's played, it just it, it gives me trepidation. But you look back at who the coach is, and I mean, Jay Wright makes you feel a lot better uh, than Rick Barnes does, so. I went ahead at least for now and swapped Tennessee out and put in Villanova just because right, I talked, Mr. GQ. I, I I talked myself out of Tennessee. Um, that could change because I do, I like Arizona and I need to go do more research on Arizona because I don't follow Pac 12 teams as well as I should. Um, and I just want to make sure I'm not making a mistake by, you know, having Villanova in over them. But I don't yeah, know. I'm going to do the same because I, I, I initially had Arizona in here. Um, yeah, that, that's where I started, and I felt like it was too chalk. And I feel weird going chalk with teams I don't, I don't know a whole lot about. So I, I need to go look more at Arizona um, before I make that final decision. Villanova does make me feel good. You know, the one thing about Villanova <clears throat> and a potential issue with Villanova as I pull back over here to my bracket um, instead of looking at your face. Let's see. Yeah. So right now, right now, my struggle with Illinois or with Villanova is that I have them beating Illinois to get to the final four. I think Illinois presents a really rough matchup with Kofi Cockburn to Villanova. Villanova won't play Illinois. Right. So will you have, okay. So you'll have Illinois beating Arizona. That's I have Illinois beating Arizona right now only because I wanted to make it less chalk and I didn't know enough about Arizona. Whereas I know a decent amount about Illinois and I really like Illinois. This is where I go get back to the prior conversation we had where I was like, flip Chattanooga and that's the I have. <laughs> I mean, look, if my if my picking history is any indicator, go heavy on the mocks right now. 
Go ahead, hey, the underlines. Illinois screwed me last year because I had them in the <laughs> championship too. game. And me what did they – they lost in the second round, I think? Second round, yeah. Second round yeah. now. So I was done. I was so pissed at them. Yep. So pissed. We'll see. The thing, the, the thing is, failure. Illinois looked like a sure deal last year. They looked like less oh, of a sure deal. Yeah, oh, I, they were a lock in my mind yeah. to go deep into the tourney, and they did not show up. No, they didn't. So I'm hoping for a different scenario here, but right now with the way my bracket is laid out, if Villanova meets Illinois, I just don't think Illinois is a good matchup for Villanova. But again, if I go through right now and take a look at Arizona, I'll see how they match up with Illinois. If I like the matchup versus Illinois with Arizona, I'll put them through to the final four. So it's all subject to change. I'll probably change a few of these, Um, but you know, fun exercise either way. Um, and again, it's all about your strategy, right? Like my recommendation would be to you, if you're feeling great about an 11 seed, it's probably not best to put them in the final four because it just doesn't happen very often. It's only happened six times in the entire history of the tournament. So root for that team. That's right. If you're trying to win the bracket, typically you want to go chalk as much as possible, especially in the later rounds. Yes. You know, if, if you don't want to have, you know, an Illinois, no, I'm just kidding. You don't want to have, you know, a UAB in the elite eight, you know? So that's just where you have to be careful, no matter how confident you feel about a team. Now, if you're just goofing around, I've got a goof around bracket, obviously Virginia Tech is winning the national championship of that one, which has never been done by an 11 seed, but you know, we'll see what happens. So I will say if, if Virginia Tech gets past Purdue, if we're able to somehow get past Purdue, Virginia Tech, Kentucky. Woo! I would. Or Murray State. Sky's the limit if you can get past Purdue. It's just. If they get past Purdue or Yale, because I, I don't want to true. discredit the Bulldogs. Don't count out the Bulldogs yet. Okay. And then they have to play the Racers of Murray State. Very popular podcast in Ivy League country. So my apologies to all of our people in uh, Connecticut listening to this episode. I thought, is Yale Connecticut? Yeah, I think so. I thought it was New York. I don't know. Whatever. It's it's up there. The I think Northeast. it's Cornell in New York. Cornell and Columbia. Cornell and Columbia is, yeah. All right. So that is our show. We will put the link to our Chowder and Grits bracket in the speaker notes. Uh, so if you haven't joined that, first off, not sure what you're waiting on, uh, but go ahead and do that. Um, but yeah, Tim, any, uh, any final words before we jump off for the first time in I think our last show was in December. Yeah. No, I mean, no real words other than, hey, guys, baseball is back. Um, NFL free agency, baseball free agency happening at the same Crazy time. It's kind of cool because it's Crazy been news week. after news. Where will Deshaun Watson go? Nobody knows. I hope it's not the Carolina Panthers. Um, and I will say, Sporting-wise, all that news is great. Happy to have baseball back. College baseball has been a lot of fun. But this tournament right here is the greatest sporting event on planet Earth. So enjoy, especially the first four days of this tournament. It is enjoy so it. good. Because as soon as it's over and you don't have multiple games going on at the same time, there's a little piece of you inside that dies. So just hang on to the light and enjoy the games. Um, like I said, take off work if you can. Embrace, embrace the madness. Embrace you know, it. If you've got that team that just chokes it away, well, guess what? I bet a bunch of other people have that same issue going on. So 
Yeah, it is what it is. Don't and let I, the bracket I, ruin anything. I mean, who cares? No, yeah, it's it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there has, you know, I'm, I didn't realize how chalk heavy I was in the upper brackets here, but I think there's a big opportunity for some major upsets this year. So I think as yeah, I agree. You know, we continue to watch basketball, college basketball morph over the years, you know, it seems like there's just more and more parity and less of those power teams and those power schools, there's more talent spread out. So it makes this tournament much more interesting and uh, much more difficult to predict, which, you know, always that, have those that's, two traits. that's interesting. And I don't know, obviously I'm not going to pontificate on it here, but I think there is more parity than we used to see. And I don't know if that is due to an increase in one and duns that are in college basketball in that level of turnover, but you don't have those dynasty teams that you would see. And those were typically the teams, you know, the guys with multi-years of JJ Redick and, um, you know, the Maryland national championship team with Juan Dixon. And, uh, you know, they they had a bunch of huge players. Duke's Duke's not Duke anymore. Kentucky's not Kentucky. It's just rental players to put on the jersey for a year and they're gone and i think that's what's what's led to this parody is you don't have guys hoarding these high level recruits that have been there for three to four years it just seems like guys are jumping to the league at a faster clip and maybe i don't understand the inner workings of that that's just how i see it but i do think what we've seen is this has led to parody where these teams um take a virginia for example i mean how much success have they had you know, don't hate me too much for speaking about the Cavaliers' success, but how much success have they had by having a a strong system that's recruited to by good players, not necessarily all five-star guys, but good players, four stars, maybe a five-star sprinkled in once in a while. But they've competed with the highest of the highs as far as rankings go and recruiting and have come out on top. And that's yeah, what when I they love won, about they this tournament. Like, they had guys like Kyle Guy. They had uh, DeAndre Hunter. Oh yeah, and then the uh, the other guy, they're the the other the third guy to their big three. But those guys had played together for a long time, and yeah. so it's just um, that's that's why teams, veteran teams, can be very dangerous in this tournament. Mm-hmm. So Espe- yeah, especially with the upsets, together, man. they've got good chemistry, you got some momentum. Mm-hmm. You know that'll that to me. That's why I moved Arizona out of my Final Four because they're such a young team. And I think when you play a veteran team or a veteran team like a Villanova, if they match up, I think it gives Villanova a big advantage because Villanova has had more success over the last few years mm-hmm. because they don't they don't go after the NBA guys. No, now, they'll they'll get NBA guys, of course, but they'll be there for two, three, maybe four years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you pretty clearly know who's going to be one and done nowadays when you're recruiting them, and it seems like certain schools. Uh, UNC to a lesser degree than Duke, but Duke's one of them. Um, Kentucky, obviously, every year. Arizona, a big one. You, you know these guys are going to be one and done when they come in. And, you know, the beauty of the tournament is that you have some of these unheralded teams and unheralded players that have played together for a long time, and they knock off these guys. And that parity, you know, we lose that in a lot of sports, specifically college football. We've lost a great deal of parity in that sport. So enjoy the parody while it's here. And that to me is the beauty of this tournament is it is a smorgasbord of parody. It's more parody than your eyeballs can handle. And it's everything that's good about college athletics. Um, at least when you look at it in a vacuum 
game to game. Maybe not the sponsorships and the uh, all the noise in the background, but enjoy it because we don't get parody in college sports much anymore when it comes to football and basketball, or at least when it comes to football, I should say. Yeah, definitely football. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. If uh, you've not been with us before, be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you have and you haven't left us a review, we'd really appreciate a big old five stars. Maybe a little comment. You guys are great. Yeah, that's we just we sometimes we need that boost. Get us yeah. through the day, you know. Pay me, pay us compliments. Yeah, Tim. Tim really needs some. I need something. Some sweet comments. It's been a rough month and a half it's, over here. Gets man. down on himself sometimes. That's so. right. He'll, he'll hit me up. He's like, I don't, I don't know if I liked that take I had. And I beat myself up until I can just get another shot at it. <laughs> Keep thanks swinging, for listening, man. and uh, enjoy, enjoy the madness. And uh, of course, go Hokies. Go Hokies, ACC champs, baby.